like, oh, we're not going here again. So we went back to the same Walmart the next day, and we just went off. Like, we just did not stop. Every, I think every person we talked to, they prayed with us. Praise God. Like, it, it was crazy. So, you know, I just want to say that, you know, it, to, to see great things, you have to step out of your comfort zone. You know, you have to you have, and also pray for boldness on outreach. Um, yeah, so I got to say. Amen. Um, hi, my name is Todd. For those who don't know me, um, uh, so in Kentucky, uh, we had 43 contacts and we, no, we had 43, uh, people prayed and, uh, we had 33 contacts. Uh, we did, um, we went to the, um, Noah's Ark exhibit, um, we, I mean, no, for me, it was a, um, it was a great experience for me. Um, and after that, we went to, like, went to Walmart, and me and Michael, we had got um, 16 prayers, and it was, that was a great experience for me, too, and God helped me with uh, praying with people. And I want to um, encourage you to uh, come to our next, um, come to our next, Uh, what's it called? Uh, come to our next outreaches, and yeah. Amen. Let's give God praise. Give him a clap for Father, we thank you, God. Jesus, we give you praise. Thank God for godly youth. You know, it, it, I was sharing with the children this morning how I am so overjoyed. I, I love it when people get saved, don't get me wrong, but I really am overjoyed when I hear youth testify of the things they're doing for God. When they testify something along the lines of, you know what? I was raised in church by godly parents, and I didn't want to chase after sin. I didn't want to go out there and smoke. I didn't want to go out there and mess around. I wanted to stay godly and live for God, and that they struggle against the devil. That's their struggles. Yes, they have to get saved on their own. Don't get me wrong. But I rejoice in those, because that is a fulfillment of our job as parents, and uh, what we do here at the church and in ministry. And it is possible. Parents, want to encourage you. It is possible. Amen? Praise God. I'm not preaching about that tonight, but if you have your Bibles, let's open up to Deuteronomy 28. We're going to read verses 1 through 2, but you may want to keep your finger there as I will be referring to uh, up to verse 14 throughout this sermon. Amen. Recently, there was an article that came out about a famous televangelist, Creflo Dollar, who says his teachings on tithing are not correct, but he won't apologize to his followers. This is Creflo Dollar, if you don't know. He is one of the most infamous and successful prosperity preachers who ever have lived, joining the ranks of Benny Hinn, Kenneth Copeland, as a trio of arch-heretics, yes, I said it, that are most arch-heretics, thank you, brother, most responsible for exporting the false prosperity gospel all throughout the world. Just to give you a picture of the excesses in which this man lives. He's a televangelist of, and a pastor of a mega church in Atlanta, the uh, World Changes Church International. 30,000 people. That's a city! I don't even know if he knows his people with 30,000 people in there. Amen? He lives an extravagant lifestyle, owning several multi-million dollar homes, expensive luxury cars, and he's a proponent of the little gods theory, which is basically we can all be little gods. It's unbiblical. 
made headlines in 2015. He asked his followers to support a funding effort to purchase a jet that's worth $65 million. Think with me, what could we do in our fellowship with $65 million? Probably not buy a jet. He's a best-selling author. He's also known for his broad reach with a radio uh, ministry that goes out to almost every country. He actually stated this in a Twitter, his own Twitter, that Jesus bled and died for us so that we lay, can lay claim to the promises of financial prosperity. Listen, Jesus didn't die so you could be rich. He died so you could be rich in heaven. So your soul and my soul could be saved. And yet this man publishes all this stuff. So again, recently, he challenged uh, the ever popular evangelical belief. Uh, he, he said that um, he renounced tithing and all his previous teaching as not correct. Here it's followers to throw away every book, every tape, every recording, everything he ever did on the subject of tithing, but says he's not going to apologize. He said he's convinced after studying Romans 6.14, which says, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. That tithing is only an Old Testament concept that has been retired in the dispensation of grace in which Christians should now be living. Again, Creflo Dada got it wrong. Because Romans 6.14 in context refers to salvation and not living under the law as a Jew. It doesn't talk, it's not referring to giving or tithing at all. In fact, Jesus said tithing is biblical when he instructed the Pharisees in Matthew 23, 23, that they should have tithe without neglecting greater things such as mercy and justice. That's Jesus who says that. You know, many people, they fall into fallacies because they warp what Scripture has actually said regarding blessing. They focus on solely material aspects. And listen, that is only a part of the blessing that God has for His people. So tonight I preached on cursing a number of weeks ago out of Deuteronomy 28 or 27. I want to preach tonight uh, about the supernatural blessing of God after, uh, out of Deuteronomy 28 verses 1 through 2. Let's go to the Bible. It says, Now it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all His commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you on high above all the earth, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you, because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Let's pray. Father, I'm asking, God, that you would, Lord, open the ears and hearts and minds of your people, God. I rebuke every lie from hell every demonic doctrine, every foul twisting spirit that would try to distract and keep your people from receiving all that you desire to do. God, I'm asking you, God, that you would show yourself strong. Let your word be true, God. Do it and bless your people this day. We thank you, God, all that you're going to do. And I thank you and give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to start first with talking about what is a blessing and define that. We need to know what that means. Listen, I want to tell you, this word has been so tortured and warped that I almost sometimes can't stand it. You know, you talk to people, how are you doing? Oh, I'm so blessed. They're not even saved, right? It's been abused and beaten up because people don't understand what it is and they just put it in this fake, empty, powerless religious context. So, by definition, this is an English dictionary, the blessing is a declaration of divine favor, an invocation employing divine favor on someone or something. It's a benediction, a wish of happiness 
that is pronounced. It is a means of happiness which promotes prosperity and welfare, not just physical welfare, but spiritual welfare. Also, it is a gift. Now, in the context that we're talking about in verse 3 of... Um, Deuteronomy 28, it says, Blessed shall you be in the city, blessed shall you be in the country, and so on. Throughout this chapter, the Hebrew word blessed is barak. It is your 330 times in the Old Testament, and what it means is to kneel or to bless. So think of this. When we kneel before God, we surrender before God and worship Him as God, what does He do? He blesses us. The God who sits in heaven and looks down, kneels down to us as a father who loves his children, would kneel down and want to bless and help. That is what God does. That is what blessing truly means. It's a supernatural favor that God gives to those who are surrendered to him. You can look in the Old Testament examples of blessing, not just physical, but other things. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Think of Joseph. Here it is. He's a prisoner. He's a slave, a prisoner to the second in charge of Egypt. Dominion, favor, physical things as well. Saves his family. Saves the nation of Israel. What about David, who was given victory in battle, who knew God personally and had dominion. Fought a giant when he was a teenager. King Solomon, who people would come other royalty would come to Israel because he had such great wisdom. Not his wealth. It was his wisdom they sought after. God gave him that because he kept covenant with God. Even to this day, though Israel has not completely followed God, because of God's promise, it's a blessed nation. He said, I will make a, 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 out of a wilderness, out of a desert, there be a garden. He's done it. Because God is a blesser. He's a covenant God. He uses them. Think of the number of scientists, financial geniuses, doctors even. And many of them are Jewish. God, that's not a mistake. God does bless His people because He has chosen them. Think of people who have supernatural good health. We went through COVID. And how many people didn't get sick and die? In our church. Now listen... I'm not trying to, you know, those, we know people who have had that. And I'm not trying to say they're cursed or anything like that. Don't get me wrong. But if you look at the numbers and do the numbers, God is a good God who's kept us healthy. Amen? People who've never seriously gotten sick, perhaps. What about people who get jobs they're not even qualified for? Amen? Divine favor. Things, jobs even, in, or position they said, you know what, you're never going to get this. And Boom! They get it, right? I was uh, talking with, uh, oh, I'm going to butcher her name, sister over in, in uh, Hampton, Rosie's sister. You know her. I was, yeah, I was using an object, uh, illustration, Adriana, and I was saying something about you have to go look for a job. She says, well, the job came and looked for me. Literally, someone came to her, do job, or her door and offered her a job. That's supernatural favor of God. What about miracle provision when it's unplanned, unexpected, and unearned? Amen? Listen, God is a blesser and He keeps His word. But just as with cursing, things that open us up and enter us into being cursed, caused by disobedience or rebellion, obedience opens us up to the blessing of God. 
Or to put it very, very simply, we got one job. Just one job. Obey God. Now, I'm not in trying to insult your intelligence, but we complicate stuff, don't we? Now, we have one job to obey God, but we have to obey Him in a whole lot of things. And that takes everything you and I are going to have. Amen? That's a decision of the will that we're going to have to make whenever it's challenged to disobey God and be rebellious. Now, God doesn't just say stuff and sit and watch us spin. He's not like that. So if He tells us that we need to obey Him, that means He can empower us and gives us the ability to obey Him. He doesn't just tease us like a cat with a toy, right? Here, I will give you all these blessings that we're going to talk about. You just got to obey me. I know you really can't do it, but I'm just going to sit and watch. Yeah, angels, look at the popcorn. No, He's not cruel like that. That's how humans are, but that's not how God is. Just like with other things, faith is a key factor. Amen? In verses 1 through 2, obedience is stressed. Also in verse 14 of this text, why? Why does God do that? Because how many of us have ever fallen into the trap of we want the blessing apart from the obedience? God, I want to live anywhere I want to, and you just bless me anyways. Amen? That's, a, that's false. And if that's your mindset, you need to get rid of it because it's not biblical. I want you to bless me in spite of my deliberate disobedience. No. Faith and obedience go hand in hand. You know, you don't often find people who obey God are also absent of faith. Because why? God says you have to have faith. So by having faith, we are obeying Him. Amen? So I want to look at the blessings of God. One commentator said this, the fullness of the blessing in all the relations of life, whether they're external or internal, in this text we're going to look at it, presented in six different particulars. Each one is introduced with the word blessed, that word barak, that Israel should be blessed in the house, in the field, the fruit of the body, and the production of the soil, in the increase of the herd and flock, in the store, and the use of what nature has provided, basically in all their undertaking and wherever they go. Whether it's in peace or war, at home or abroad, God repeats himself to drive the point home. We need to examine this, and the reason for that is this, is we have been adopted by God. We've been grafted into the vine. We are co-heirs with the nation of Israel in these promises. By virtue of the fact of the blood of Jesus, we also are children of Abraham, and every Abrahamic promise is also to us. And so we can lay hold of that. So in Deuteronomy 28, verses 3 through 5, and then verse 8, these are the blessings that God says if we would obey God and remember God. Blessed shall you be in this city. Blessed shall be you be in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground, the increase of your herd, the increase of your cattle, the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Verse 8 says, The Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses and all to which you set your hand, and He will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Now these are material blessings of fruitfulness, of provision, physical blessings. But think of this. 
God says, I will command blessing unto you. I will command the forces of nature that you and I have no control over to be bent for your benefit. Bad weather everywhere else? Good weather for you. Everyone else's crops failing? Yours are growing. Can't find a job anywhere? I'm going to make a job for you. That's what God can do. That's what God can do for you and I. Amen? He'll get you a job you're not qualified for and create the job at the same time. He'll make you a manager when you have no experience managing anything and empower you and give you wisdom to do that. You might need to look for the job. That might be a good thing. Don't wear a t-shirt to that job. Unless it's construction. I, I didn't get a job one time because I was dressed to the nines and it was a construction job. It was one of those ones where, you know, when you're on unemployment, you just want to fill in the thing. Back then you had to do that. So I just showed up and it was just like a punch in the, punch in the thing. I didn't really want that job, but I learned something. I was overdressed. Once you get the job, you know what you do? You work your butt off. Now you don't, you know, violate the Sabbath. You don't say, hey, yeah, sure, I'll work on Sunday when you know you ought not. Okay? Don't violate God that way. Don't violate your ministry that way. But when you're on the job, be the hardest worker because you should be working as unto the Lord. And if you do, if you just show up on time, be dressed and be in the right place and work your butt off, God will promote you and you will stick out above anyone else there because that's rare these days. I'm going to brag on my wife just a tiny bit in this regard. My wife had to work a short period of time at a grocery store in Texas. And uh, you're in your 40s still, maybe? Have you got to your 40s yet? I thought you were still 29. <laughs> so she gets there, and because she works hard, she shows up on time, she's ready to do what she does. Three months, she's a manager. Above people been there six years yeah, they bumped their gums and looked, cut her eyes at her. And it was because she busted her. She went out and going after grocery carts in the heat when young guys were whining about doing it. And they were wearing shorts. She wasn't. God will promote you. Listen, God will give you unexplained divine favor. How many times in life something happens and we just chalk it up to coincidence, right? Listen, God doesn't do coincidence. My son Zach came and visited us this week. He had drill, and he was relating to me an account where out of the blue in the church parking lot, he was there for something, his CV joint goes out. Snaps. He's hearing all kinds of horrible sounds coming from his car. And so after a process of time, he's trying to move it to a city. He had to move it like every other time so it wouldn't get towed in this parking lot and stuff. So finally, he gets there with another guy. They're going to fix a thing, but they don't have the tool they need. Out of the blue, some Hispanic guy shows up, says, oh, yeah, I got the tool for that. I could go get it, but I live 15, 20 minutes away. I'm not going to do that. He leaves. So they're still trying to use the tools that they do have to get it, and they're busting their knuckles, and, you know, their patience being tested. An hour later, the guy shows up with a tool, not saved. He's telling me as they're working on this thing, you know, after they got it done. Within two minutes, because he had the tool, gets the thing fixed, then lightning starts flashing. 
and thunder as they're trying to clean this stuff up. And my son says, I prayed, God, please just hold off the weather until we're completely done. Please. They get all this stuff in. My son says, once he closed the door, storm broke. Like deluge. While they were doing the repair, they witnessed to this guy and had an opportunity. Now, how many of you would say that's coincidence? That is divine planning and provision of God. The man had the tool. He had the knowledge to help them. And God said, it's not raining until these guys are done. How many of those things happen to us? We just go, oh, that was nice. God totally stopped the forces of nature to let you do stuff. Provided someone for you and I at the right time, at the right place, who didn't even want to do it. That's what God can do. That is a blessing of God. Divine favor. You should pray for that. It says in Deuteronomy 28, 11-12, And the Lord will grant plenty of goods. Not, not like just enough. Not the exact Cheerios you need. Plenty of goods and the fruit of your body and the increase of your livestock and the produce of your ground and the land to which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open to you His good treasure, the heavens, to give your rain and your land its season, to bless all the work of your hand. You shall lend to many nations. You shall not borrow. God says, I will bless your family. You know, in this day and age, we don't often consider the ability of having kids a blessing. We don't think that barrenness is a curse. But you know what? We were made to do two things. The original blessing that God gave to us is what? Have dominion. Have kids. It's abnormal when you can't, when you're married. That's not how things are supposed to work. And so there's a reason for that. But God says one of the blessings is I will give you kids. I will multiply you exponentially. Amen? I will give you healthy children. Children that are meant to inherit your legacy. God doesn't want us to be barren physically or even spiritually. Amen. God can bless our health where there's no curses on our health. I'm not going to continue on that because I already preached about family curses. But listen, God has the capability that you may have your whole family curse, but because you're saved, you're not. I've seen that happen. Why? The blood of Jesus. Because you're saved. Because you're obeying God. Deuteronomy 28, 9-10 says, The Lord will establish you as a holy people to Himself. And just as He sworn you, if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in all His ways, then all the peoples of the earth shall see that you're called by the name of the Lord they shall be afraid of you. Remember when the children of Israel come in and they, the spies are sent into uh, Jericho. And what does Rahab say? We've heard of you. We're terrified of you because of what God has done. God gives us the same kind of dominion. We heard testimonies. Here is a group, a small group. They go to Kentucky. What's the testimony we've heard repeatedly? Everyone we talked to is open. No one's rejecting the gospel here. What, what's this? Dominion. Favor. They've heard of God. God has a testimony because of, all, of us. He makes us a holy people.
people and we have dominion when we minister and we go on the streets, we witness, when we live for God. He gives you supernatural dominion. Amen? Effectiveness in ministry, victory in battle, whether it's supernatural or even forces that we have to deal with on a daily basis. We have to be mindful of God's blessing. Listen, when we're talking about God's blessings, I am not talking about the stuff of fluff or fairy tales, but as a very effective real-life effect in our lives, physically and spiritually. But again, the key is we need to obey. We need to remember God. Listen, every good gift comes from God. It says in James 1.17 that every good gift comes down from the Father of lights in whom there's no variation or shadow of turning. In other words, God's not going to change. You might have had a bad day. God doesn't have bad days. He doesn't have bad years. He doesn't have bad eternities. You might be struggling with this, but God says, I can bless whenever I want. Do we acknowledge those blessings? Listen, it is in His nature. God is the source of blessing. You know, so many times we're so quick to claim credit for what God did, right? Especially if we have an audience. We want the credit, don't we? Yeah, you see, I did this and that. And God's out there going, no, you didn't, I did it. Right? That's why sometimes you read in the Bible where there's an impossible circumstance. And what does Jesus say about it in the, in the Gospels? He said, God did this so that he might be glorified. Why is this person sick? Because God needs the glory. Because God wants to show out. God wants to make his name famous so you and I can be blessed, so we can know that he is a blesser and he has the power to do that. Even small daily blessings we should thank God for. It's not our prayers that do it. It's the God we pray to. It's not our innate goodness. It's God's goodness. Listen, it is God's nature to bless. You don't convince Him and talk Him into blessing you. He wants to. He doesn't make it complicated. We do. Listen, if you are saved and love God and are doing your best to obey Him, you are His son and His daughter. And He wants to bless you. He takes pleasure in blessing you. How many of you fathers, you, you love when you have the worthal just to give your kid a gift? doesn't matter how bad your kid is, how good your kid is, because they're your kid, you want to bless them and just give it to them and watch their reaction, right? To bless them. That's the same way with God. You know, it's very interesting in this text in Deuteronomy we have that the list of blessings come before the curses because God desires to bless. He does not want to have to curse. He wants to bless us, even when we don't deserve it. You ever been jacked up, and you know you're jacked up, right? You're so jacked up, you even prayed about God forgiving you about being jacked up, cankered, and He blesses you. Maybe that's a reminder to say, you know what? I'm still good. And that leads us to repent, doesn't it? I don't know about you, but when I mess up like that, and God does that kind of stuff, it's like, oh God. I am so, so pleased, and I don't forget that. Amen? He's so grateful, and He blesses us when we don't deserve it. And it's not, it's not to promote the idea that we can disobey and get away with it scot-free. That's not it. But it's 
that it's an overflow of His good nature to us to cause us to not forget that, to be a reference point on how good He is. The thing is, we have to be also receive the blessing. The blessing. I want to tell you this. Start out talking about the prosperity gospel. That's basically where, like, you just live to get stuff. All right? That's what exactly where all your prayers about you getting stuff. It's like a list, you know, for Santa. Get me this. Give me this. Do this for me on my time. Exactly this way. God's not going to be beholden to us that way. That's not what the gospel or prosperity or blessing really is we're talking about. That's warped. But there is a truth is that you can pray blessing through the promises that God has given us in a proper manner. You can hold on to the word of God and hold him to the things he said. You're not threatening. I I think God takes joy in the fact that, one, we know his word. Two, that when the devil's assaulting us about something and saying, how many times the devil said, oh, you're going to pray for God for that? What's wrong with you? He's not going to do that for you. Right? Why do you think that, that that's being said to you? Because God's word said he does want to do that for you. And the devil is gambling on the fact that you won't have the faith to go before God boldly about those things. And if you have a right heart, God has no problem blessing you. You can ask God according to his word. Now here's the thing. Here's the key thing. And it says in James 4.3, you ask and you do not receive. Because when you ask, you ask amiss that you may spend it on your own pleasures. So when we ask things of God, now listen, there's some things we don't have to pray. God, if it's your will, we know it's God's will to save. We know it's God's will to heal. So you don't have to go in a trepidatious or fearful manner before God saying, Lord, Lord, if, right? Because if you say King James, that's like the magic thing, right? Lord, if, if thou willeth, pleaseth, listeneth to me, if your humble servant, if it's your will that you, no, you don't have to do that. You can go boldly, not disrespectfully, but boldly before the throne of God because of the blood of Jesus. You said, Lord, I need healing. My kids need healing. My unsaved relative needs healing. God, I need this. Lord, if you would, your word says X, Y, Z, and I'm asking you to provide that. I'm asking you to do that thing. I'm asking for a promotion. God, I have a financial need, and you have all the treasures and what I need. So I'm asking you for it, Father. You can do that. Amen? That's not asking amiss, but when you ask out of bad or selfish motives, when you want stuff and things for God with no intent to thank Him, no intent to bless Him with, with part of that, no intent to bless others, and no intent to praise Him, that's asking amiss. Because you're just asking out of selfish wants. Now listen, God does want to bless us again. Sometimes he, because you're his son, daughter, you know what, I'm just going to give this to you because I love you. And that's okay. But don't ask amiss. It says in verse 13 and 14 out of Deuteronomy 28, And the Lord will make you the head, not the tail. You'll be above uh, only and not beneath. If you heed the commands of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and are careful to observe them, you shall not turn aside from any of the words which I command you this day to the right or the left to go after the other gods or serve them. Again, God ends on this issue of obedience. Why? 
Because we need to be reminded of that. Because when we are blessed, we have a tendency to forget the blesser. And we worship the blessing. And God doesn't want us to do that. That is the way of folly. That is the way of error. If you study Israeli history, that's what they did. When, when, when Balaam the prophet couldn't curse him, what did he do? He tricked the Israelites into cursing themselves by their sin. That's how he had to trick them. But God wasn't going to, he couldn't even pronounce a curse upon them, but only blessing. We have to remain in obedience, continually remembering God, and continue to express gratitude and thanksgiving to God daily of those things. You know, if you ever, how many of you, sometimes like me, you wake up, especially like on a Monday morning, and it's not always a good day, right? You wish that we can continue going. You continue to be at church with our brother and sister, fellowship and doing things. But Monday, oh, you know, the Monday morning blues. You can even write a song if you could sing, right? Probably has been songs about that. But what if you change and flip the paradigm on its face and you get up and the first thing you do is God, thank you that I'm alive. I'm healthy. You begin to look at the things in your life, even the common things. Thank you for my children. Thank you for my house. Thank you for my job. Thank you that I'm riding in the Flintstone mobile. Have you ever had to walk for an exceeded period of time or had a hoopty? First car was a 1981 Pinto, the death machine. If you got rear-ended, kaboom! You got to see Jesus in a moment. Didn't know that. It was the grace of God. Tell me after the fact. And then the car died, and I didn't care. Had another car. So I was good. What about the common things? Thank you, God, for my church. That I'm in the United States of America. That I can go to church and folks ain't going to bust down the door and shoot me up and kill me. Aren't going to take my kids. Huh? We don't think of that, do we? We're spoiled. What about thanking God for those things? What about teaching your children to be thankful to God? Nothing worse. There's a lot of things worse. But there's not much worse than an unthankful child. That you give them something and you like beat them bloody just to say thank you. To another adult. That's horrible. Teach your kids to be thankful to God and to others. And then testify of God's goodness. Don't keep it secret. Amen? There's only a few times that Jesus said to people when He did a miracle, hey, 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 don't go make a big thing about this because you ruined my ministry when I'm going to the next place. But most of the time, He would tell people to the gathering demonic, what do you say? Go and tell your friends the good things that God has done for you. To the leper that was healed. Go to the priest, and you're going to go through the whole process. Can you imagine that being a testimony of the priest who's never seen a leper healed? Huh? What's he going to do? He's got this long, drawn-out process. He's going to have to declare along with the leper that this dude's healed. Right? Give God glory. I want to conclude. If you want to be blessed by God, one, you and I, we have to obey Him. We have to remember Him more than once. That should be a daily part of our life. It has to be continual. We should be in a covenantal, not a contractual relationship with God. Because listen, God makes promises and He fulfills them, period. Unless He gives a conditional thing like, okay, I'm going to bless you if you obey me and remember me. 
Because some things are conditional that he says. Other things, he says it, count it, it's going to happen. We should be the same way. We should not allow circumstances, how we feel, to change. That's a contract. We should be in a covenant relationship with God. God, no matter what, I am going to do this. You need to have integrity and be a man or woman of your word with God. Amen? Whether that's promises to do things for Him because of thankfulness, or even in, uh, uh, even in, in, in pledges and finances. Amen? Listen, there are many blessings that God has for you and I. And He wants to bless us. And we can properly ask God to bless us. But we have to be vigilant. Don't let the blessing be a curse. We are blessed to be a blessing. It says in Genesis 12, 2 through 3, I will make you a great nation. Now God is speaking to Abraham. But again, this is one of those things that we should take to heart and inherit as well. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. You'll be a blessing and I'll bless those who bless you. Curse those who curse you. And in all the families of the earth, you shall be blessed. Can God, you let God bless you so you can be a blessing to somebody else. Where you don't take the credit. But you, like God, have a heart to bless others because you're blessed. Let's bow our head, close our eyes. No one looking around and respect to God.